pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're going to be looking at a passage in Luke chapter 2, and specifically at a man named Simeon. Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bibles with you, it'd be helpful to have them open. If you don't, there's a blue one in front of you. I think it's 857 is Luke chapter 2. And we're going to begin with verse 25 and go to verse 35. Let's stand together as we read God's Word. And now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came to the Spirit, and he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took Jesus up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many and Israel. Maybe seated. Let's take a moment to reflect together on God's word. I grew up in a household with three older sisters, and they said I was spoiled, the youngest and the only boy, but no, I don't think so. And you can imagine, just like any Christmas Eve with four young children, Christmas Eve, when you're young, seems to last, what, a month, right? I mean... In our house, that you, as the presents got wrapped, they got put under the tree. So you just stared at this sort of burgeoning group of presents as the week went towards Christmas. And one day, one Christmas season, we had convinced our mother that we should, because it was so hard to wait, we should at least be able to open one gift on Christmas Eve. Like that would like put the, take the pressure off. And so remarkably to the four of us, she agreed. She said, okay, you can open up one gift. And I was like, this is awesome because I see a big box in the back that's got my name on it. And that's the gift I want to open up. And so we all sat down and it was, you know, late that evening, maybe seven o'clock. And we're all like, okay, we get to choose our gift. And she said, but here's the condition. I get to choose the gift. (laughs) And so she handed 
a very similar size gift to each one of her children. It looked about like the size of a notebook. So didn't seem too exciting, especially for a young boy. And then we had to open them all at the same time, and guess what it was? It was a notebook. (laughs) I mean, is that a good Christmas gift? That's not a good gift at any point in your life. It was a notebook, and she said, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to see this notebook, and I want you to think about all the gifts you're going to get tomorrow. And on this special notebook, it was more like stationary, you get to write a thank you note. And I mean, this was like, oh, this is getting worse and worse. Needless to say, never did the four Phillips children ever ask to open a gift on Christmas Eve. We waited to Christmas Day. But is, isn't it hard to, to wait? To wait. It's hard right at the beginning of your life to wait as a young child. And, you know, it doesn't get a whole lot easier, I've discovered. Certain things you want to see happen. Certain things you want to open up. But God so often has us in a position of waiting. Nobody enjoys waiting. I was reading a study at some point, and it talked about the amount of time you spend waiting in your life. This will be discouraging. I'm sorry here the day after Christmas. You you sleep 26 years of your life. You lay in bed unable to sleep. For how long? Seven years. I mean, that's a long time, is it not? So you got 37, 35 years just wrapped up in sleep or waiting to sleep, basically. Looking for lost objects. Mm. Now, for me, that's like a month. But someone else in my family named Phillips, they go over a year. One year. You spend one year of your life looking for lost objects, waiting on hold on the phone, five months, waiting at stoplights. Now, you're in Wilmington, people don't wait on stoplights, they just keep on going through, but other places, eight months, waiting in line over two years, waiting on someone else. Now, my wife would say, that's a long time for me, Paul. Over three years waiting on someone else. How how would you like it if God gave you the assignment to wait your whole life? I'm going to ask you to do one particular thing, but that one particular thing is going to come at the end of your, your life. Of course, you don't know when the end of your life is, so you're waiting the whole time on this moment. That assignment was given to Simeon. It's about a month after Jesus' birth, and Joseph and Mary are traveling to Jerusalem to present him as their firstborn to the Lord, just as the law requires. And unbeknownst to them, as they travel towards Jerusalem, there's a man named Simeon who's on an intersect course. And they meet in the temple... And he's coming as he's done, day after day, year after year, coming, waiting for somebody to arrive at the temple. And what I want to do is I just want to pull out four or five things that we learn about Simeon, then ask a question, and then I want you to, if you have something, you might want to write this down, and at the end of the service, I'm going to play a a sort of a quiet, reflective song for a minute or so.
And you won't have time to process all the questions, but maybe just one question would stand out to you as we look at the life of Simeon. Here's what we find out about him in this text. He was righteous and devout. He was righteous and devout. The way the person is describing, Luke is describing Simeon, is he was vertically and horizontally aligned. He was righteous. He had a right standing before God. He understood righteousness was not something that he could earn. So when you think about Simeon, you don't think about, well, he's right. You think about Simeon, he knows God who's made him right. He understands that he's bent, he's broken, but he's aligned himself with the Lord. And the Lord has made him righteous. Righteousness comes as a gift. And so he has a, he has a correct vertical connection with God. He's not, he's not trying to earn his righteousness. He's not spinning his wheels trying to make sure he's well-liked or he's done enough good deeds. He knows that's really not possible. He's at peace. God knows me. He knows all about me. God loves me. I'm forgiven. I'm right with God. That's, that's quite a gift. Just to be at peace in that vertical relationship. But he's also devout. The, the word here in the Greek means to be careful. I like that. He's careful. He's careful about his life. He does have a right relationship with God, but horizontally he's careful. He's circumspect. He looks around. He just doesn't make assumptions about this relationship with God. It influences how he lives. Most of you know the Socrates quote, the unexamined life is not worth living. Well, for Simeon, he had an examined life. He examined his life. His internal transformation matched his exterior behavior. When you met Simeon, and you know somebody like this in your life, you go, they're the real deal. They're authentic. Every every time I intersect this man or this woman, they're just the same. I, I don't ever have to think they're trying to pretend. They're not ever trying to put on a show. They don't have some kind of affected voice. They're not covering over anything. They're just a real person. Their internal has aligned with their external. So my first question here, just looking at Simeon, is your life aligned? Many of us here would say we are followers of Jesus. If you're not, I would ask you just to consider that. But if you are, my question for most of us is, are you careful? Are you circumspect? Do you look around? If we could somehow crack you open or crack me open, would we see the same inside as what we see on the outside? That's, that's what we learn about Simeon. So first question, is your life aligned? Second we see is that Simeon waited. The Bible doesn't tell us how old Simeon was. We know he's towards the end of his life. But, but tra- biblical tradition says that he was 113 years old. He had to wait 113 years. I mean, let's just try to imagine. You're in your Google search. You type in Messiah. 
And you have to wait for an answer for 113 years. Not two seconds. Simeon was well steeped in waiting. He'd been waiting. And you know in those 113 years, the waiting was difficult. It was difficult because he lived in an environment that was very challenging. Simeon lived in a time where it seemed like God had gone quiet. For, it has been 400 years since the end of the Old Testament, Malachi. There's been no word from the Lord for 400 years. And here he's living these last 100 years waiting, waiting for some word from the Lord. The current government was a disaster. It's hard to imagine. But all the political leaders in Israel at that time, they weren't interested in the people. They were just interested in themselves. Can you imagine living in a political environment like that? where all the politicians were only self-serving. They got in it for power. They got in it for position. They got in it for authority. And, and really, who cares about the people? That's the current government that he lives in. And finally, and maybe most difficult at all for Simeon, was the church was just broken up into different subgroups. There wasn't a unified body of believers. There were these different sects or sections Here's four of them that we see in the, in the New Testament. And maybe you see yourself in one of these. The Essenes. The Essenes are people who lived in the desert. They saw the corruption of the world and they said, hey, the best thing to do is just get out. That's one sect. Another sect is the Sadducees. They were political players. They understood, hey, here's how the world operates, and we want to get into that operation. We're still religious and everything, but we're getting into the political operations because we want to pull the strings on power and authority. The zealots, fighters, overthrowers. Let's get the military involved. Let, let's turn this nation around. We're, we're, we sort of have a, a zealous spirit about this is all going wrong, and it's up to us to change everything. Or the Pharisees, what are the rules? How do I arrange my life around the rules? And how do I arrange your life around my rules? See, I'm not just content to arrange my life around a set of rules. My circle is going to get you involved. Hey, this is how you should live too. There's a set of rules. Don't follow the rules. You're not in the circle. I wonder if any of these sound familiar to you. You see corruption and you just want to flee. You want to use political power. You want to pretend like the parties that we have here are somehow going to be used for God's great purposes. And so you get involved with that. Or maybe you're just tired of that and you're just a fighter. Always arguing. Or maybe you're somebody who likes rules. You like rules for you. You like rules for everybody else. This is the culture Simeon waited in. Simeon waited. He waited through darkness. He waited through silence. He waited through discouragement. He waited through sin. Because he knew God was in control. As we enter 2022, here's a second question. What do you need to wait on God for? Is there any place you're trying to just get in and meddle in a way that is really not your role? It's not your lane. 
There are places that we need to be proactive. I'm not trying to eliminate that, but maybe there's some place that you just need to wait and just say, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do what I can do here, but I can't do this over here. I'm just going to wait on something to happen for my child or my job or in my church or in my culture. I'm waiting on God. Simeon waited 113 years. And number three, what was he waiting for? It says the consolation of Israel. Consolation means comfort. It's the word we get from Isaiah 49. Shout for joy, for the Lord comforts his people. He will have compassion on his afflicted ones. Simeon lived in a time of great oppression. And the Jewish people were looking for this person who was going to come and bring comfort, the, the Messiah. He's called the Christ. Someone who would come and rescue them from slavery. And everybody's been leaning forward for hundreds of years looking for this person. And I wonder if Simeon, in the spirit, comes to the temple and he has a feeling this is the day he's going to intersect the Savior. I wonder what he was thinking this person was going to look like. I'm part of the oppressed group. Somebody's going to come free us from slavery. Somebody's going to come finally bring us comfort. And I have some sense that today's the day I'm going to meet that person. And what do you think that, that Simeon might have had in mind with that person? A king like David? A general like Joshua? A leader like Moses? I mean, these are the things I would have thought of. I would just had all these pictures of these very strong and mighty people. And so Simeon comes into the temple. He's kind of looking around like, I, I have a sense this is the day. And the Lord says, this is the day. He's right over there. And he goes over and the Lord says, yeah, it's a baby. This person's going to bring comfort. What kind of comfort are you expecting from God? Everybody's looking for comfort. And I wonder if you just have some idealized vision of, gosh, this would be comfortable if all these things worked out. And what if he just shows you a baby that on its face doesn't appear that can provide too much? Simeon understands Jesus. Number four, he's holding on to Jesus. He's looking at Mary and Joseph and he says, Behold, this child appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. This is the child. And notice what he says when he's holding Jesus. There's no neutral place with Jesus. There's rising and falling. This is the person who's going to come into the world and cause dead people to rise. Or the fall of nations and people who think they're in power, they think they're in control, but they're not in control. Simeon understands that following this baby is going to come at a cost. Not for him, he's moving off the scene. But this Jesus that has come in is going to cause some things to shift in the world fundamentally. 
And there's no neutral ground for Jesus. There's going to be some cost in following Jesus. There's going to be some cost in not following Jesus. I was listening to a podcast recently by a woman who was speaking at Princeton. She was a graduate of Princeton. And she had taken a controversial statement about something, and she was delivering a speech about it. And what I found fascinating, a lot of things about the speech, but she gets a lot of questions like, what is it like to stand up for your beliefs and be shouted down by your peers? So she's taken an unpopular position, and now the people she sort of grew up with are now shouting her down. And so when she speaks in public forums, a lot of people will say, well, what's it like? Because you used to be on that side, now you've come over here, and now what you say is irritating all your friends, all your peers. And she says, it feels like freedom. Such a powerful phrase. I, I know what I believe. I'm going to stand here and follow Jesus Christ. And when I go out into the world, a world who's hostile to Jesus, I know some of my, even, some of my best friends are going to come against me. And I'm going to have to be willing to stand for that. But I want you to know that if you stand in that place in 2022, if you stand long enough, you'll reach a place where it's freedom. I really believe and stand for the same thing. See, I'm internally and externally aligned. When you see me out in a difficult place, I'm going to be standing for Jesus. I'm going to be standing there just like I'm standing here for Jesus. And when you get aligned like that, you're really free. You're not trying to perform. You're not trying to make people unhappy. But your goal isn't people-pleasing. You're no longer afraid of the opinion of man. And Abigail Shire reached that point. And I'm sure it took some wounds. But eventually she was able to say, you know what? For me to stand up and say what I believe, you know what it feels like? It feels like freedom. Simeon understands if you're going to hold on to Jesus, you're going to have to take a stand. For some people, it's going to be rising. For others, it's going to be falling. But here's the place where you take your stand. And so my fourth question, are you ready to stand for Jesus? At what cost? Is your life aligned? In what way do you need to wait on God? What kind of comfort are you expecting from God? Are you ready to stand? At what cost? Finally, our fifth and final point here. The opening line in Simeon's song is about departure. You see that? Now that I've seen Jesus, now that I have wrapped my arms around the Savior, I can depart in peace. I'm ready to be dismissed from this world into the next world. I'm not anxious because I've seen Jesus. The Greek word depart, very rich, very vivid, probably meant to relay all these images to the first century reader. Depart can mean to release a prisoner. 
I'm ready to depart. I'm ready to depart the chains of this world and really live in freedom. To unyoke a beast of burden. Isn't that a great picture? You've been weighted down and it's just the same thing going round and round or up and down the rows and you're just ready to depart. He's like, I'm ready to unload this and really just take on the crown that Jesus has for me. And finally, the word ready to depart can mean to untie a ship and set sail. This ship that's been worked on for 113 years and now it's ready to launch. And you have to untie some heavy cords or ropes and finally it's set sail. It's meant to, to do what it came for, to set sail for a different shore. Simeon is saying to Mary and Joseph, to us, to the Lord, I'm ready to depart. Simeon understood that this was the Prince of Peace. He probably didn't understand and couldn't understand the price of peace. Simeon was ready to set sail. He was ready for the next world, ready for his encounter with God because of the Prince of Peace had arrived and Simeon was holding him in his hands. So are you ready for departure? I don't know. Could be me. But we stand here in 2022, a year from now, very possible somebody here is not on the earth any longer. And I just want to ask you, are you ready for departure? Richard Troutman, somebody most of us know, was, is, was a member. He and his wife, Linda, worked for the church as sort of the person who did all the handyman jobs, just became a beloved person around here, and particularly to me. And he caught COVID, and it scarred his lungs, so he just couldn't breathe. He was really otherwise healthy, but just couldn't breathe. And so I don't remember, it was maybe for... 45 or 60 days he was in the hospital and he just had an oxygen mask and he was more or less fine breathing with that on but if he took it off he couldn't last very long and he called me or his wife called me and his wife said he's ready to go she's crying obviously I come to the hospital and she wants me to go talk to him so just we have a few minutes just in the hospital me and him He takes his mask off. Pastor Paul, I'm ready. And a few minutes later, he was put to sleep. And an hour later, they took the mask off and he died. Maybe I should say he departed. But he was ready. Ain't me question. Paul, are you ready? I mean, it's going to be you one day. Are you ready to depart? 
We're going to listen to a, a Latin song, so it's not important that you understand the words unless you really love Latin. And the, the words are nunc dismittis. It means now depart. You may or may not hear it. And we'll just listen to it for a minute or so. And it's meant to be reflective, just for you to pick out a question. As we looked at Simeon's life, are you ready? Let's listen quietly together for a few minutes. Lord, as we hear these voices like a choir from a distant shore calling us to be ready, calling us to wait, to trust, to be careful, to be whole. Would you strengthen us to be more like Simeon? To trust in you, to wait patiently. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our closing song.